Relocate is a, an independent marketplace for global migration. It's a way where an individual who's looking for information about relocation can find this in an accessible way. So, you know, we've drafted and worked on original evergreen content that provides practical, meaningful guidance about moving to a destination. And the content itself, I think if you dig a bit deeper into what you see, it's very high level. So, you know, we decided to self-launch with 11 countries to try and validate it, this as a marketplace to see if it worked. And within these 11 countries of destination, you can find information about whether it's generally what's life like in moving to France. What's it like to start a business in Paris? Do I have to pay taxes in the United Kingdom? You know, how do I retire in Italy? And so, you know, we did a lot of market research and figuring out this high level content, but not getting into the granular details of giving legal advice. Welcome to the GMI Rocket Show. Today's episode number 62. I'm your host, Roman Zelchenko. I am a former immigration lawyer turned entrepreneur. I am the uh, founder of Laborless, which is an H-1B visa compliance tech startup, and the founder of GMI Rocket, which is a digital marketing agency for immigration and global mobility businesses, and of course, which brings you this show. Our guest today is actually joining us all the way from Italy, which is very special because we're recording this in sort of the early afternoon here in New York City. So it's pretty late in the evening in Italy. I'm very grateful. So our guest today is David Cantor, who is the CEO and founder of Relocate.World is the full company website. And Relocate is basically a kind of a marketplace for connecting people who are interested in moving to a particular country with content and information around you know, kind of visa and travel questions and, and things related to that country. And then through that, connecting with actual licensed and vetted immigration lawyers and other immigration professionals who can help them get into that country and deal with whatever immigration questions or visa applications that they have. So um, it's a really cool platform. It's web-based. And the idea there is that, you know, user-friendly, you can learn what you need to learn, connect with the people you need to connect with right through the platform, and then kind of hopefully relocate to the country that you are looking to move to. So I'm excited to learn more about David and, and his journey, actually being an immigration lawyer here in the U.S. And, and sort of becoming this immigration entrepreneur. I guess we sort of have a similar journey. So I'm not going to speak for David. And David, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, tonight. my pleasure. I mean, thanks for having me. And thanks for, again, I know it's evening. I could see it's kind of dark behind you at the window. So I appreciate you staying up and, and hanging out in the evening. It's my pleasure. It's my, and I'll do my best to be live, right? My, <laughs> my brain tends to shut off after like nine o'clock, generally right, well, speaking, you know. So, so we're like um, right there. It's like it's yeah. eight o'clock in, in Italy right now, right? That's right. On a Friday and everybody knows that it is and, you know, post Thanksgiving holidays. But, you know, we're all good. I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the introduction. Absolutely. Thank you. So, David, I know that you originally or earlier on, you were a U.S. immigration lawyer, I guess, much like me, except for a much longer period of time. I didn't practice for very long. But you and then you went to school, I believe, in Illinois, right? Into That's college. Right. So tell me a little bit about like pre, you know, pre-lawyer, David. I mean, are you from New York? Are you from Chicago? Are you from somewhere totally different? Like, what's kind of the, the backstory? Yeah, yeah. As a New York native, you know, you kind of get that. So, 
originally from New York, right? But Long Island, so not the island of Manhattan, which right. is a country in its own right, as we all know. But yeah, I grew up in New York and heading to undergraduate, my mother basically said, you can go anywhere you want, but just go, don't go past the Mississippi. I have no idea this arbitrary order, you know, but I, I went pretty close and yeah, I had a great four years of undergraduate in Urbana-Champaign and spent a little bit of time in Chicago after that, living and working in digital marketing, actually. I went to the College of Business and University of Illinois and really was hustling, you know, trying to make a living and figure out a, a career path, right? Which when you, anyone who leaves undergraduate, I don't know, my experience, I was sweating through my graduation robe. I remember that, you know, in the commencement speech, because I felt kind of the future just imposing, right? And it's like, what am I going to do next? So that reality hit pretty hard and fast. Uh, and, you know, there was kind of a nonlinear way to get to where I am now. And uh, after, fast forward a little bit, um, after undergraduate school and working in Chicago, um, just left the U.S., uh, decided to take a break in, in my work. Somebody handed me a, a Lonely Planet travel book. I had no idea what backpacking was. I had no idea what a youth hostel was. Next thing I know, I'm in this kind of community of, uh, you know, individuals who are moving around in, in Central America and Guatemala. And I was gone for three weeks. And I was like, as an American, I was like, three weeks. That's like, Americans like, how are you getting away for three weeks? What are you going to do for three weeks? You know? And when I went there and I met, you know, some of the first companions, and it's, it's a visceral experience when you first uproot and you, you do something new like this. And I found people were traveling for six months, like these two Israeli guys, for example, I remember carrying a surfboard from northern Mexico and going all the way down through Central America and into, you know, Patagonia region. And they were traveling for six months. So <laughs> I was like, you know, it was mind-blowing for me, right? And like the world is out there, something to go after. So those are some early stage transformative periods. But I, I don't think you brought me on the show to talk about my backpacking days in my 20s. I'm happy to. I, I actually would love to talk about your backpacking days in your 20s because I think that's so key to, you know, I think when you become an immigration attorney and you work with clients from all over the world, having traveled to many different parts of the world, at least in my experience, is hugely helpful to empathize with culture, cultural differences mm -hmm. to sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes even something as simple as like under, working through someone's accent if they're trying to speak to you in English and English isn't their first language, you know? So I actually think that's hugely important. In fact, a lot of immigration lawyers are immigrants, but for the ones who didn't, who aren't, uh, many of them did travel. So I'm, I'm curious, I guess, wh where did you, where did you travel? So this was after law school or before law school? No, before. And this is okay. before and before kind of the in-between phase. And that was just a little stint. I mean, three weeks. And, you know, I came back to Chicago. I was like, okay, something's got to change. Um, I know there's a lot out there. Um, so I decided to pick up and do what I, I could do. Didn't have much money at that time. And so I taught English. I, I you know, I speak English. I have an undergraduate degree from a school of business. Um, but that's a pedigree, you know, at the end of the day. And so I went to Asia where there was job opportunities for English speaking uh, native, native English speakers. Um, as you can tell, I'm very eloquent in English. And, and yeah, so it was a weird experience. I went basically straight into China uh, and spent time there um, bouncing around, um, mainly in Beijing for the beginning. So thrown right into like a big city um, and got paid as, a, as an English teacher for about six months there. 
Um, didn't know much about China other than, you know, an encyclopedia that I had in you know my basement that I opened up before I went and dug into the culture. I, I think I was just craving something that was completely different from what I knew and understood, right? It ended up being that. I mean, doors just continued to open on, on this journey. Um, and like I said, I didn't have much money at that time. So whatever I was earning uh, through teaching English, I started to spend on travel. I started to travel low to the ground and visit places where, you know, um, I think and believe that, you know, maybe no white person set foot before. And I say that because I think the furthest experience that I ever had, probably to this day, um, that left a big impact um, was meeting up with a, uh, a nomad family nomadic family. Um, I missed a, a bus in this one-horse town in Hezhou, which is the middle province of China. And because of that, I ended up in some cafe to spend the night. And there was a, a table next to me of, you know, monks. They, looked, uh, they were dressed in robes. And um, it took me a little bit to realize that they weren't monks. They were actually were Tibetans um, wearing a traditional, like, orange uh, cloth, right? The kind of that burnt orange cloth. And one of them came over and approached me and, you know, we started, he spoke a bit of broken English and we started to chat. And next thing I know, one of them had invited me to their family to stay with their family and live with their family in uh, the grasslands in Tibet. So we had, a, I changed my plans. I, I didn't really have plans and hopped on another bus and then met his father and um, his brother who picked us up on a couple of red Honda CRV motorcycles and we went, you know, into uh, the grasslands and there was no path and kept going. And I ended up sleeping there for about 10 days, wow. overstaying my welcome, probably, you know, living close to, to the earth. And I guess I mentioned this, you know, just because it was really uh, something that still stays with me today. It's really the power of just coincidence and, and, and going places where maybe you've never been before and then the visceral connection that you can have with people in this world. A hundred percent. Definitely. Um, I can't, it's so cool. I mean, I'm just, just picturing having that experience and, and having these people take you in is, is really amazing. And and yeah. so I guess with that experience and, and some of these travel experiences, I guess you eventually ended up going to law school. I'm curious, did you want to pursue anything related to international something, business, travel, maybe immigration? Um, or did you kind of go to law school, you know, in this, in this vein of, okay, I've traveled, I've seen the world. I want to, I'm going to go back to America now and sort of pursue further education and have that as an experience, but not as a guide for my career. I'm curious if you did oh, connect it to or you didn't. Yeah, there was always that, you know, I was carrying around books for the LSATs and GREs and, you know, had always thought that there was maybe something else that I needed to do to define a, a career path and maybe going back to the academia later in time would be that, but I didn't know what. And I kind of narrowed down um, through these experiences, knowing that I wanted to do something in the international realm and that space. And again, didn't know how to define that. Um, law school and going to get an, a degree, in, a legal degree, um, was something that struck me for several reasons. I think it was some of those far-reaching pillars of what the law is and questioning what that is and how that influences society uh, and right governance and you know, how it can be used as an instrument for good. And I didn't know much about it. And the more I dug into it, I realized it was broad enough 
to have a, some type of intellectual departure. And I knew there was an international spectrum to that as well. I didn't know what yet. Um, so I was motivated and inspired, I think, by some of these pillars, right? And it was reflected in, uh, you know, my the letter that I wrote to go to law school. And I believe that's why I was accepted. I don't think it had to do with my grades or backpacking experience in the grasslands of Tibet. But all that said, Roman, I mean, also another truth is, you know, I needed a bit of discipline, you can say. I felt I was going on this journey and on this path, but I felt a little bit lost, right? And for me, law school, I've heard stories, I knew it was going to be intense, but I felt there was going to be a good intense, in a way, kind of a discipline. And it proved to be that. I was fortunate to fall into a law school that permitted me to have some flexibility, to pursue areas of interest in so much as studying comparative law and going back to China two years later for a comparative law course that I got credits for that, you know, no other law student had done in the, in the history of the law school. And I got credits for that. And I still was able to keep that bridge and just magnify the experiences with a degree and, and go from there. What was it like? So, so I know you went to New York Law School. So shout out to all the New York City regional law schools. Yeah, I went to I went to Brooklyn Law, so I'm also I was also down here in the area. And then you went to and then you got your you went over to to China. How long were you in China for? Was that a semester or a full year? Well, I I was there on through that period of time around four different times. Okay, right? almost for a total of three years, right? If you add up all the aggregate experiences, the schooling, the law school at Tsinghua University. It's strange because actually you mentioned Illinois. When I first went to Tsinghua, and I never visited the campus. I mean, I visited, but I didn't really remember it years later when I went. It was like a replica architecturally of University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. And I dug in a little bit more. And, and when I was walking around, there's like a mini version of the quad, you know, in, in Urbana-Champaign. And it turned out it was. So they were inspired by that design. So it was kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah, it was a, a total of a, a year. Right. But you, you take half a semester and then to complete an LLM, which I went back after law school to complete. There's a really, really um, interesting ecosystem of international students, some from the States and obviously from other countries that came here to study comparative law, immerse themselves in, you know, the language and culture. And, you know, that was an underlying thread, I think, for many people being there. So, you know, it's always nice to be around that. That's in really academia, cool. Especially. Yeah. And so, so, right, so you got your JD here, you got also your LLM over in China. And did you know at this point that you wanted, were, like, were you focusing on something international? Was immigration even on your radar? How did you eventually fall into it? No, it's a great question. You know, there were immigration courses, there were professors that, you know, I had a good rapport with, I had done research with at, at New York Law School that were in the international sphere. And again, that I wasn't, I think, even forward thinking enough to say, oh, there's a career you can make in immigration law as an immigration lawyer in that sense. I knew that there was a lot of work to be done in kind of refugee and asylum and deportation and human rights elements of that in the States. I never gave a hard, honest thought to, okay, I can do this when I actually get out of law school. So for me, again, it was I came out and hung up a shingle there. Well, getting a license is, is another matter. You know, the stories to be told there, you know, third time around. And, you know, first time missing, going to the wrong testing place in Manhattan in the, you know, on the west side, fighting a guy that he, he took the taxi in front of me and I couldn't catch a taxi near Chelsea Pier. What a, so I never got settled. Not making excuses, but yes, you know, finally ended up actually investing the bar. I was studying for the bar while I was actually in China, getting the LLM 
and, you know, came back to New York and, yeah, I hung up a shingle. I was doing everything. I was in the courts, things that were completely unrelated to immigration. I was living in Chinatown at that time and above a Chinese supermarket. I know there's a lot of China going on here. It definitely, you know, is in fact, there's a Chinese supermarket. I lived in Chinatown, but I was above there. There was like all these different, you know, you can say it was a directory of businesses. And I saw like a, a name of an immigration lawyer, Chinese immigration. So I knocked on his door. It was right next to like a guy who gave massages and in an airlines, you know, ticketing agency. And, you know, I knocked his door and we spoke and he had all these like I-485s hanging on his wall, I-130s. And I didn't, I've never seen those before. And I'm like, well, what do you do here? You know, we started to talk a bit and he kind of just said, well, you have a degree. Well, you know, why are you doing this? I said, I don't know. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to get clients. I don't know what to do. Okay. I'm on AVO, you know, but I don't have the experience. Right. So he threw a few cases my way. And I started to work on some of those. And that opened up a bit of the doors to the world of immigration. And it was just, my first case was my wife's as well. You know, So that, that was a bit of pen to paper. And, and there it just opened up some more doors and started to look, got lucky a bit. And that's kind of where I fell into a bit of the private practice a couple you, of, about a year and a half after. Did you continue to work on your own before you really fo- fell in or, or kind of went at first into immigration law? When I started with the firm, I was pretty wet behind the ears. It was new. And it was a Craigslist posting, you know, and I applied to this. And I was working on a different venture at the time as well that was related to endorsing licenses of foreign medical professionals. And I was working on that with an Italian doctor who had her licenses endorsed in the New York state. And it was a project that I believe had merit and nobody was offering those professional services. And so this kind of caught the eye of principal of a, of a firm, you know, cause he was also working on something that was somewhat similar in that situation. And, you know, I had a few interviews there in New York and it was a, it's a boutique firm that I've been with up until the point of, you know, transitioning into this venture. And that's Davies and Associates, right? Davies yeah. and Associates, yeah. yeah. So they're they're exactly. based over Mark, here. Mark Davies, yeah. He's uh, the chairman of, of the firm, and I met him in Park Avenue, which feels like ages ago. Um, and he was a great mentor. Still is. So, it was, awesome. uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So you worked, you you know, with, with this Chinese immigration lawyer, he threw some cases your way, you you worked on your wife's. So were you, and, and just on your wife's case, were you married and kind of getting your wife into the US? Uh, or like, were you, you know, was it a K-1? I'm just curious, because I feel like I remember my first immigration case for sure. And it definitely, and it wasn't my family member. So I'm, I'm assuming okay. this was very memorable. <laughs> Yeah, this was a good one. I mean, it, it was a it was a fun, it was a colorful one, yeah. you know, and got to go into the interview in Federal Plaza, put together a string of our emails, you know, and provide photos. I, I even think we brought like a video from our wedding into the interview. I was like, you know, do you want to watch this? It's like, oh, I wish I could, but we don't have like an AV unit here. But yeah, we, you know, it was, I think having a, a degree and obviously, you know, kind of the work, even hanging up a shingle and appearing before judges and in the courts beforehand and doing real legal work and representing individuals gave somewhat of a confidence to do these, you know, these formalities. And, you know, it's, again, it feels like ages ago, but yeah, we, we didn't marry for the green card. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're still together. I got my two kids out there. Um, you know, <laughs> of, course. of course. I thought, I thought it was part of a master plan. You know, I thought it was done after that, but no, it's, 
No, it's still good. It turns out it was the real deal, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was the real deal. It was the real yeah. deal. But it was definitely part of the strategy. I mean, we had a civil ceremony. We had a celebration later. So you know, there was the there was a, an element of hey, we got to figure out a way for you to kind of stay here. And, and she carved her own path in many ways before we even had to get to that point. So. Yeah. That's really cool. That's it's mm-hmm. like wow. I can't imagine having my first case as an immigration lawyer. You know, to be a family member, especially my spouse. Um, that's super that's cool. A good one. And, yeah. and, 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 and you know, there's been so, so many amazing cases and stories along the way, right? And I remember all of them, even some of the, I mean, the early stage ones. And this is the most inspirational part of this work, my at least my career. I feel so fortunate, right? It was a series of unexpected events and experiences that kind of brought me to that point. And when I started waking up in the morning and, you know, in New York, you start your calls with, I, I guess I was always um, situated within the firm at a point of receiving, you know, new inquiries coming in, questions about U.S. immigration. And so I was always exposed to this throughout my career with Davies and Associates. And the inquiries were inspirational, always different. And so I was on the phone every single day. I mean, for the, for the last eight years or so, starting with Asia, you know, and then moving across, uh, moving uh, west. And then you, you end up in Europe midday. And then, you know, you meet clients who are actually in the United States, you know, later in that day. And the days just went on like that. And so within my career, I feel fortunate for saying it's just been, it's been a journey in itself. And, you know, one that's continuously gotten better. There's always something to learn. Do you think, I know that you handled both U.S. immigration and and I guess the global immigration side, right? So did you start, while you were working at the firm, did you start building relationships with other providers around the world? Because I know, I mean, at least from my experience as a U.S. immigration lawyer, um, if you have a global practice, it doesn't mean that your firm actually handles all those cases. If you're a very large firm, you might have actual offices around the world, but more likely you work with, you know, trusted partners who do inbound in China and Australia and in the Netherlands and in South Africa and wherever else. Um, is, so I'm curious, did you, did you start to have that re- uh, experience as well at the firm? That came later on, right? And, you know, I guess let me preface it and go back a moment. You know, as a practicing immigration lawyer, that's what I started out as. You know, I, I dove right in. And we have, you all, I mean, you have to know your strengths, right? And, for me, I had my Upper West Side apartment. I'll never forget, like a small studio apartment. You know, we didn't even have a door because the bed was too big. So we had to choose a bigger bed or the door. We had to get rid of the door. But on the floor of our apartment, you know, that was tilted like this in the Upper West Side, were like cases that I've tried to organize the exhibits, right? And, you know, so we have, you know, uh, three years of, you know, financial returns here, bank statements here. We have every top page of your passport here. Organizing. And filing petitions um, was never my strong suit. I did it. I had success in the early stages. I had, you know, you can say, well, not failures because we always appealed cases and there were approvals at the end of the day, but there were mistakes, right? And there, I mean, there were also, so you, 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 you learn um, by experience is, is my, has always been kind of a philosophy, experiential learning. Um, and, you know, I, I felt those were challenging days. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to uh, make it sound like my like, like the wife's case. That was fun. That was colorful. That was a good time. But when you're dealing with individuals who are relying on you to provide a service, right, um, and 
there's there's weight there. There's family involved, right? There's starting a business. You're, you're moving from one place to another. There's there's so much involved, and you feel that pressure, right? As as a practitioner, um, and you know it, it, those 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 were challenging times. Um, three four years, you know, really just carving out a, a skill set to you know be a, an immigration lawyer, a practitioner, because you know, U.S. immigration law is so nuanced, as you know. You can specialize in such a small area, and that's what you focus on. That's your niche, right? And you, you become an expert in that. It's so layered, the U.S. immigration system. So there's always something to learn if, you, if you're broadening you know, your career path. And that's kind of why Mark was also a very good mentor. So for four years, I was actually practicing. And I joke around saying that he actually took away my license to practice at some point in time because he was like, David, you know, I think you're, you're maybe better at doing something like this. And what he was referring to is really dealing with clients, you know, in first, in first instance and ongoing, and that relationships, right? Um, truly understanding where the client's coming from. What are they looking to do? Um, how can we help them? And so, you know, I dedicated a lot of my time purely to that, like a client relations role. We grew the firm a bit. Uh, we brought on really talented lawyers um, who were, you know, did what they did best and, you know, got approvals for client cases. Uh, and so, you know, I, I fell into this role of um, more of like a client relations role, you can say, and, and I loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, I, I, could, I could just focus on that, right? I didn't have to fall over or stumble over exhibits all over my place and FedEx something from a Brazilian client who comes the last day before filing with the papers we need. And, you know, we get it out through FedEx to USAS before he overstays. So, you know, it's, I, I really, uh, this transition into kind of a client relations lens, to, it's a long-winded way of, um, you know, addressing your question, Roman, is um, at that point, you know, I started to branch out a bit and, you know, not only meet with clients, um, but figure out other areas in, in the world, maybe, where there's a connection for global mobility and, and, and migration. And that came a bit later on where, you know, start to forge potential partnerships, you know, start to visit other countries. Um, clients were always the impetus, I think, for those visits, visiting a, a business or uh, and so forth. But I would always make a point to meet up with lawyers and law firms that were there and other practitioners and learn about their areas of practice. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a kind of a, a evolution, I think, uh, to get to that point. And so you started to meet up with these people. Um, and I guess, you know, my, my curiosity comes from the idea of like, where did, you know, you spend four years practicing, you spent the next about four years in this sort of business development client relationship sort of role. Where did this idea for relocate sort of come about? Because if it sounds like you started to have more of a global, you started to build this global network, whether by accident or on purpose or purely from, you know, interest. Uh, but sort of how did this idea of relocate come up um, or come about in, in your mind, especially since, you know, as you were working at the firm? Uh, yeah, I think it came up in many different forms and ways and rooting even back in experiences, right, that predate, you know, the career path per se. And when I started to get it more involved in kind of the industry and attending events uh, and understanding the layers of, you know, how an individual gets from one place to another, whether it's the United States or somebody somewhere else, I started to understand the stakeholders in, in this space and, and, and in this industry and connect some of the dots. 
um, and figure out ways at this point from like a private sector. Okay, well, you know, as a law firm, you know, how can we connect with them? How can we refer business to one another? How can we share clients and knowledge transfer, um, right? And tap into an expertise where, as you alluded to earlier, you know, maybe completely foreign to a U.S. immigration lawyer, you know, they have no idea how to practice a law in South Africa. And, you know, so, you know, these conversations that I started to have on a more frequent basis were, were I, I think, set the stage for Relocate in many ways because we did have a quite, and we still do, uh, I mean, Davies and Associates at the time, I still say we because it's really part of my, my DNA in many ways, um, you know, had have a big presence in, in Vietnam, for example, and in India. Mark was one of the first, I would say, in many ways to end up in, in India. Um, as And, you know, I went there a bunch of times after that. We grew uh, a bit of a, a awareness there and, and fostered trust for the for the firm. Um, and there are so many layers there. Um, and you meet with so many individuals that, you know, are have various you can say services that they provide, idiosyncrasies and local services that they provide. Um, and that started, you know, that exists for a long time in China, for example, mm-hmm. right? an agent driven market in many ways, um, where maybe you never even get to meet the client. Um, Vietnam is, is more similar to, to China in that sense, but India was like a burgeoning market. It, it wasn't like an agent driven market yet. So you deal a lot directly with the clients. I think I started to realize that there you know, from, from an individual lens, how do you navigate that, right? I mean, from an individual who's who's looking to relocate and find information, what are your first points of inquiry, right? And, you know, where do you go for information, right? Um, whether it's locally or if you dive into the World Wide Web, right? So, you know, I started to piece together these, um, you can say, um needs for for encountering information and finding qualified representation whether it's locally or uh, in another country um and 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 believe that there was a way to build something that wasn't of private interest right because i was always coming at these strategic partnerships from uh, a private lens Mm -hmm. right building a firm growing growing a firm and striking up strategic partnership deals with um other experts and practitioners, and there's value in that. Um, and but I was started to wonder, okay, you know, you make these connections, but how do you provide um, a bit of a different space that that doesn't have a, a vested interest? If that makes sense. And it's like creating. I mean, the idea of, I mean, thinking about relocate now, the idea of creating content and sort of a marketplace is there's private interests down the road, but in, at the very outset, it's just value for the, like for the people, for people who are trying to move. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, in, in a sense it's free value. Right. And w- in the hopes of saying, well, we hope to gain your trust with this information content with whatever. And then if you need then to utilize the service, you take those next steps on your own, but this initial information is just for you. Um, for, I guess, for free in a way. Well, yeah, and it's meant to be an ecosystem, mm-hmm. right, in that sense, uh, and foster trust through that because, you know, you, you, we have, you have the advantage of we don't, we don't have to sell anything, right, we, uh, in the sense. I mean, and I always joke around with one of my close friends, like in, when I was in New York. I mean, 
that I, that I'm a glorified visa salesman, you know, and I, I, I mean, I mean, in the most critical way possible to, to you know, but it, 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 it's liberating because you, you, you can have this, um, this space to operate in that is completely independent, right? Um, and, you know, I guess to be, to answer your question a bit more directly as to how this, I mean, came about, um, is because, you know, I was attempting to, to build another company that focused on global citizenship services, right? So I started to, you know, speak with agents in South Africa and agents in, you know, Nigeria and agents in Egypt and agents across the world and figure out how to connect these dots and, and, and kind of build something that was, uh, I don't know, a, a broader than, it, it, you still can maintain your autonomy as a practitioner, but still in a private space, right? And like an old school kind of referral system, uh, and you're, you're part of a, uh, one brand, uh, but you still, well, you're part of a brand, but you still maintain your own brand, uh, you know? So I was, it was, I was trying to grow this concept um, in the beginning stages, and I kind of shifted away from that shifted away completely from a private model, right? And started to think more about this, uh, what relocate became, how, how can it be something that's independent completely? So David, I think this is a really good point for me to ask you to explain what is relocate and how does it work? Yeah, sure. So relocate is a, an independent marketplace for global migration. It's a way where an individual who's, looking for information about relocation can find this in an accessible way. So, you know, we've drafted and worked on original evergreen content that provides practical, meaningful guidance about moving to a destination. And the content itself, I think if you dig a bit deeper into what you see, it's very high level. So, you know, we decided to soft launch with 11 countries to try and validate it, this as a marketplace to see if it works. And within these 11 countries of destination, you can find information about whether it's generally what's life like in moving to France? What's it like to start a business in Paris? Do I have to pay taxes in the United Kingdom? You know, how do I retire in Italy? And so, you know, we did a lot of market research and figuring out this high level content, but not getting into the granular details of giving legal advice. We'll give a broad kind of big picture overview of core, what we believe are, you know, interesting topics and informative topics. Um, and <clears throat> this is where the membership concept comes in, in terms of advisors and the legal practitioners who are licensed and the experts in the space to fill in between these lines, which was, there's really infinite space to fill in between these lines. So the granular details of moving from A to B, you won't find that through Relocate original content, but you'll find that on the platform and you'll find that from a variety of sources that are here in this one space. So maybe you have two or three U.S. immigration lawyers that are providing valuable information about, you know, getting the uh, international parolee role, um, you know, the IEP and you know, maybe you have multiple immigration lawyers giving different perspectives in the U.S. about, you know, getting an H-1B visa. Whatever it may be, this is being sourced from legal practitioners. So the idea was to provide a, a platform for immigration practitioners to 
cross-pollinate content they're writing maybe on LinkedIn or on their blog site or in other mediums to try and connect with this engaged audience of individuals who are looking for this information. We're very much trying to be as a medium in that place. And the other, uh, you know, core component uh, of this is, you know, a direct channel to the advisors and letting that individual make an informed decision and kind of get to know who that potential advisor is um, by, you know, reading a bit about them and seeing maybe what articles they're writing about, what, what core areas of expertise they, they market um, in, in a space that is not private, right? So, you know, that, I think this is the uh, overarching, you know, components of, of Relocate at this time. But what's out there now is, is the MVP. Um, it's what we were able to fund uh, what we were able to launch with. Um, and, you know, we have a beautiful engineering roadmap with a bunch of features that we do hope to finance and continue to introduce into the marketplace. Um, but, you know, what's out there now is the bare bones, something that, you know, went through almost a year of product discovery, individual testing, meaning, you know, we actually brought you know, a group of individuals who maybe would be looking to to relocate into a space. And we asked a ton of questions. We went through a lot of work um, to get to the point of actually having, you know, what is, you know, what, what you see now, which is our, uh, you know, our soft release. So... That's awesome. David, one of the features I, I do, you know, obviously playing around with the website and checking it out, I do like that you learn a lot about the country and then you can sort of see who that that sort of, I guess, partner or, you know, featured immigration professional is who's creating that content. And then you could A, learn about them and then B, effectively direct directly book a call or a consultation with them through the platform. So it's like, you know, they, they, it's the one, it's sort of a one-stop shop, if you will, at least for that in very, very initial um, conversation there with, with the provider based on the country that, you know, the individual wants to go to. Um, so you said that you, you know, you've, you have the MVP out so far, you've done a lot of testing, a lot of iteration on the mm -hmm. product, on the experience. You've obviously launched, I think you said 11 countries, right? Um, where, how has that launch sort of been? I mean, you know, from whatever you feel comfortable sharing, were you, did you have to go out and get outside funding? Were you able to self-fund it? You know, and the reason I'm asking this is because I think in part, really, it's the crux of this whole show. I wish when I was starting Laborless, I had anywhere to go to, to learn a little bit about what the heck do I do next? You know, what are the first one, two, three, four, five steps? Do I need funding or do I not need funding? Do I have to get an outsourced development team or can I, you know, kind of build it on my own or, or, or what else? So I guess, you know, what have, what have been some of the ways which you've been able to get up to this stage right now? Yeah, a lot of hard work, um, that's for sure, and sleepless nights. Um, the, definitely was fortunate to, you know, have a bit of a cushion to bootstrap this, you know, with my own um, funds in the beginning um, and maintaining a balance uh, here, right? Um, and that wasn't easy because, I, again, it was very new, uh, uncharted territory. And so there was a lot of due diligence that went in in the beginning. Um, you know, you have some broad stroke ideas and those ideas start to form. Uh, and then you start to figure out, okay, well, how do I actually make this uh, happen? Who, who needs to get involved? Um, so in the beginning, 
you know, there, I think there were two core pillars, Roman, that, that I really identified um, a need for. Uh, and it was, you know, it was the technology, it was the engineering, um, and it was, you know, the core content. So I focused on these two pillars and started to think about, you know, who can I get involved, who's in this space, um, and have those conversations. And I guess one thing I wanted to also emphasize is, you know, there were certain, um, and there, there are certain uh, challenges that we want to confront, right, in the immigration industry. And that's also another reason why, you know, relocate did come into life. And, you know, mainly it's, it's access to this information because, as you know, you know, wh- where do you go to find information generally if you're looking to relocate? I mean, you know, if you type in a keyword search term and you're a marketing guy, you know, you probably have way better ideas to where this goes. Um, but one of the primary sources is a government website, right? And so, you know, starting to dig around in these government websites, you realize that some are much better than others. Um, and it's actually, there's, there's some of it, is, it's, a, it's a beautiful study to do uh, as well. And, you know, I think one of the goals we wanted to uh, confront or one of the challenges we wanted to confront is, you know, to make the, the ease of access to this information, you know, in a, in a very, you know, kind of, uh, intuitive way, right? Um, and so the engineering component, you know, was focusing a lot on this, right? What's the journey, all right? Um, how do you, you know, where do you start? And, you know, what's what's the end goal here? And, and so um, in involving individuals in this uh, idea and concept, I was working with a lot with agencies um, in the beginning, kind of figure out, you know, who can I partner with? Who would potentially be interested in this and you know had months of kind of due diligence and calls and learned a lot through that and ended up finding some good partners in this space working with uh, an unbelievable engineering firm that's one of our main partners to this day that's based out of poland right and they're in the tech space you know um, and they have an incredible team and so they have vested interests in in what we're doing right and so they're, they're pretty much a partner and when this started to come to life and we developed the content, you know, again, we have a somewhat of a lean team. We, we have a very lean team uh, internally. Um, but we have, you can say, uh, a bit of an operational bandwidth because we have good partners. Um, so we don't have like a, a, you know, we're not at a, not even at a seed phase at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's conversations, right? Because we have goals to scale, um, as I mentioned, this is just a, an MVP. So, you know, I, we have an engineering roadmap to release various features, and there's a, obviously a, a cost to that development. Um, but before we even get to that point in time, we really need to validate uh, Relocate as a marketplace. And building a marketplace, you know, I mean, it, I, I started to read a lot of books. I started to reach out to uh, individuals who wrote those books, right? Um, I have brought on an amazing board of advisors um, that didn't come with a, a price tag because they're vested in the idea um, and the, the vision of it. And it's, it started to take a life of its own that went well beyond um, anything that I could do in individual capacity. And so, you know, I'm super fortunate for those that breathe life into the development of this. Um, and what was the most encouraging for me, aside from kind of seeing it take a life of its own, uh, 
were the conversations that I had with the advisors. Because as mentioned, you know, if we didn't have a member base, if we didn't have an advisor base, then, you know, where, where would we be? Um, you know, it wouldn't be a marketplace. Um, it would just be, you know, a nice looking uh, website. And, you know, these conversations I had over the span of seven months and I'm having to this day, almost every day. And I was struggling in the beginning to, with the, the strategy. I said, you know, okay, do I ping 35,000 lawyers in these 11 countries and, and see who joins? Um, or do I focus intimately on who I believe might be interested, right? And where we can complement that existing practice. And maybe as a, as a marketer, Roman, you might, you might get that completely, you know, you know, not to be invasive, but to build something, engineer something that actually is going to be complementary to, to what your existing practice is. Yeah. Um, and that was an objective. It is an objective, right? Aside from the kind of an overarching uh, vision to, to build an ecosystem and, you know, have like this human narrative as a thread that fosters trust and ultimately does create this sense of transparency uh, and equity, right? Um, globally, okay, these are, these are big ideas. But if I bring it back to uh, one reason why we're still here today and I still believe at least we got another three months in us, hopefully I can get another show with Roman if I'm invited back, um, is the advisors. Mm-hmm. To be completely, I mean, we have, I've had such encouraging conversations um, through the span of seven months uh, with every single advisor um, that's there now. And they, you know, it's, it's really because of this initial ambassador base. That's what we're calling it, an ambassador program. It's limited per country, you know. So they said, okay, you know, I, I kind of see what you're trying to do. We'll give it a try, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no membership fee? Okay, you know, I don't have much to lose, I guess, you know. And we've built a team around that. Right when we built the team internally, solely you know, working and collaborating with our members to figure out how can we optimize this experience. How do we, you know, continue to collaborate and, and create synergy and have a value proposition for the members, for the advisors. So that's one side of the equation. What can you share about? I'm sure you're talking about advisors, but I'm really curious to hear about what yeah. you can share with regards to like what is coming for the future, right? I mean, I get it. I mean, the future is never guaranteed and, and there's, it's one thing to have a roadmap. It's another thing to actually, of course, continue to implement all of that. Uh, but what are some of the things that maybe people can think about and or look forward to that you're able to kind of share with, with Relocate, whether on the tech side or maybe on the, maybe more countries, yeah, you know, things like yeah, that. Absolutely. So, yeah, great, great, great question. And, and, you know, it's such an interesting time as well, right? I mean, like in, for this to come out of, you know, in this time, you know, rather crazy or, you know, it's serendipitous. I have no idea, you know, and, and um, the conversations that we're, we're kind of finding ourselves involved in now um, have to do with this aspect of, of really um, transcending borders, breaking down these borders and the future of work. And, you know, you don't have to go far to just Google something like this to see the pulse of what's happening. And, you know, the, the entire pandemic has, you know, has just evolved the way people are thinking about working. And it's, it's just because of this experience. I mean, you know, from a corporate level down to an individual level, 
Um, the sense of you know having a, a laptop or working remotely from somewhere, um, you know having a work-life balance, of, you know, maybe a physical commute versus um, you know working from home or working from a co-sharing office. Or it's it's evolving in in such a way that I mean you have futurists who are already you know predicting what's what's happening, and you know I'm no by no means thinking that we're predicting anything. I just think we're positioning ourselves in a really interesting time um, to build this ecosystem where there is this immediate connection that you can have um, to live and, and, and work and migrate somewhere. Um, and hopefully we can be that resource, right? Um, for individuals, for agile companies who wanna you know, move abroad, et cetera. Um, there's, there's so many trends that are happening, so many interesting conversations that are happening um, with regards to the sense of I can live and work from anywhere. That, you know, global citizenship, being a global citizen is a mindset. It's, um, you know, it, there's no universal passport. I mean, you know, however, you know, the more you think about where you are in the world and that, you know, you're not just a citizen of a country, but you're part of this planet we're in a you know a part of a human race and borders start to disappear a bit mm-hmm. when you start to think of you know in this dimension uh, and it's a beautiful thing and you know beautiful connections you know are made and there's always you know uh, having a national identity having visas having immigration pathways and that for national you know security reasons and so forth i mean i always believe that this is i mean beyond the geopolitical matters I do believe that people are realizing that there's more opportunities to move places and it's not as stressful as maybe you thought it was. And maybe you do it a few times in life, or maybe you don't, maybe you find a new place, you settle in. Um, but yeah. And when you talk about, I guess I'm still being abstract, I guess a little bit about what the future holds. <laughs> no, it's hard to know. Yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a huge. It's definitely a trend, and and there are a lot of different. First of all, corporates are looking into this further to see what they can do in terms of sending their employees abroad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, are 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 they relocating people in the same way that they were before? Is it going to be what type of visas are they applying for? Because now we're seeing, for example, digital nomad visas popping up all over the world, etc. So there are the landscape is changing. Um, and then, of course, to your point, from the individual's perspective, even if you don't work in a corporation, but maybe run your own business or you're a freelancer, can you look at the world as being a bit more of your oyster than than before? Um, so, yeah, no, and, and and I get it. I mean, it it, it um, I think I think it sounds like you're directionally trying to align yourself with where things are probably going. Um, and, you know, giving people access to information and professionals and eventually, you know, more of an even more robust platform in terms of actually making that move, that relocation happen, which I suppose is the. And seem possible. And, and right? yes, yeah, seems yeah. yeah. Hopefully to inspire. I mean, really, and, you know, and like the human narrative is a major part of, of, of our identity. You know, we're starting to run a couple exciting campaigns very soon. Um, one that revolves around stories. So, you know, we're running campaigns for individuals to actually share their relocation stories, mm-hmm. right? So if anyone's out there, um, you know, and you have a story that you're willing to share, um, you know, this is something we're running. We're, you know, giving flight vouchers for even when the world, you know, has less travel restrictions, which I believe it's starting to. 
um, you know, well, you can fly on us. So one of the, you know, there's always this human narrative that we want to maintain because that's where the experience is. Uh, that's even where practitioners improve their trade and skill set, right? Um, and so, you know, the, 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 we have a few interesting campaigns, I think, that are our first campaigns, you can say, that revolve around this, Roman. And if I were to say where we're going, it's, it's, it's kind of embodied in this. Um, and it's embodied, again, in, in, in the member base and the advisor base because even the, the licensed practitioner lawyers, I mean, they can be nomadic as well. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, an Australian lawyer working in um, in uh, Jordan. Right. Or a French immigration lawyer working in Mexico. So, you know, we can prove we're still cool. Bro. I mean, even though we're lawyers. <laughs> right. It's, <laughs> it's a hard it's, it's a hard hill to climb, but we can do it. I think. <laughs> That's right. So so where where can people learn a little bit more about relocate? I know that the website is relocate dot world. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. If you want to read a bit about kind of the mission statement, um, you just throw a backslash about mm-hmm. there um, and you can dig a bit deeper. Awesome. I, I always like to kind of end these conversations with maybe something a little bit kind of fun or, or, or different. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, you spent, you said you mentioned, uh, you know, you traveled how many, quite a bit, how many countries did you, did you travel to? And I, I hate to ask for a favorite because I think it's you know, every country is different, but do you have any like very, you know, the kind of that story where if you're sitting around a campfire or something like that, like that's the travel story you tell. Yeah. yeah can I join you really? Can we go like upstate? You know, can I join <laughs> you and chop some wood? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm actually recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> All, right on. All right. Well, sign me up. Sign me up, please. Um, yeah. You know, I, I honestly don't know a number, you know, and I never kind of mm. tracked it that way. Mm. You know, for me, it was like density, right? It was depth. How, you know, in, in, in that sense, um, you know, for me, I can, it's pretty easy, right? I mean, the most, I aligned that question with what was the most impactful, the most right. transformative in your life? Because, um, you know, I've been, been to a fair share of places. And for me, the depth was, you know, in China, right? I mean, that's kind of, it was so foreign, it was so different, and just immer- a full immersion. And for that, it was transformative. I mean, I came back. With a wife, I'm just, I didn't literally come back. But I did meet my wife at a cafe in Shanghai on her last day uh, going back to Italy. My first day arriving in Shanghai, we wow. met at a cafe. So it's kind of, yeah, that's another story. For, that's a campfire story. That's I think a campfire you got, story. All right, can you, can you share a little bit about how that meeting went? <laughs> the meeting, well, they didn't pay any attention to us, her and her friend. And I showed up with a backpack, you know, smelling like chicken feet and, and train. And um, yeah, she was eating, and uh, at one point, she a potato flew over to me. Literally, like we were sitting next to it, it flew on my plate, and you know, I made one of those American comments: "Free food, thank you." You know, and <laughs> <laughs> I got some advice for where to go next. Let us crash on her couch, and we always kept in touch. And you know, when we she came to New York, we got together again there, and yeah, it's uh, the rest is history. Wow, so say. yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, life, life is out there, man. And now you're living in Italy. Living in Italy. Look at that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good place to be. It's a good launching pad. That's it's a incredible. Good place to be. It's a good, it's a good work-life balance. So, you know, very fortunate to be here, Roman. Thank you, David. This is so cool. What a great story, too. I and by the as a side note, I've definitely been like the broke pack backpacker. You know, whether it's 
South America or, you know, Europe or, or ah. Asia or wherever. And uh, definitely, definitely appreciate free food. So I think <laughs> I get where your mind went because that was a joke, but it was also partly not a joke. So parts of love, parts yeah. of love. you know, next time it'd be great if I can interview you, if you don't mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Flip, flip it around a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. that. We'll, we yeah, yeah. make it happen. Um, cool. Well, David, thank you. I know it's late, so um, no I appreciate no you taking the time and yeah. uh, appreciate you joining and sharing your story. And uh, sure. just, of course, it's cool to hear how impactful you know travel and uh, just kind of international experiences can be on not only our career paths, but of course on like ultimately business ideas. And if anything, I think hopefully this show, you know, this episode with you and, and other episodes uh, will inspire maybe or you know. Uh, push someone in the direction of starting a business, maybe a tech business, uh, to make the immigration and mobility process easier, better, faster, more efficient, safer, et cetera. Um, mm. So if anything, I, I think I think this story has definitely delivered that. And um, so I, I appreciate um, course, appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for anybody who's, who's still out there. And, you know, feel free to reach out um, as well. So great. It's been fun. Likewise. Now go enjoy some grappa and then get some sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not really water in here. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks, David. All right. All right. Take care. Take care.